North Pole Hotline, Mrs. Claus here. My holiday shopping list is so big, I can't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy's biggest sale of the year starting tomorrow. Old Navy? Beat the crowds for 50% off your entire purchase. 50% off? Plus, this Friday only, Old Navy's famous cozy socks are just a buck in stores. Old Navy's giving $1 for every pair sold up to a million dollars to boys and girls clubs. So I can do good, look good, and get 50% off your entire purchase at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1121 to 1123. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Cozy socks valid 1123 in stores only. Limit 10. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, hello, everyone. You are listening to Dr. Low Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Lauren Noel, and this is where we tell you all about the very best in natural medicine and nutrition. Thanks for joining me for another show. And it was great seeing so many of you guys in Austin over the weekend. It was just over there uh, for the weekend at Paleo FX, getting all that motivation and getting some of that community going on in the paleo movement. I think sometimes, you know, we all just... Stay kind of connected on social media, and it's nice to actually see each other face-to-face. So for all of you who came up and said hi, it was so nice to meet you, and thanks for all of you guys continuing to support the show. It's very motivating and, you know, helps me to just kind of keep that fire under my butt to keep some content out for you guys. So it was really great meeting all of you. And uh, also the guest tonight, I was finally able to meet her in person as well. Uh, we have Jennifer Fugo on the show, and it's all about gluten-free tonight and making it actually easy and not something that's going to break the bank. So what a concept, right? Uh, before I mention more about Jennifer Fugo, I just want to give you guys some announcements. So mark your calendar. Next week I'm finally going to have Alex Jamison on the show from the movie Super Size Me, so she'll be on next week. And then the following week I'm going to have Dr. Diana Hoppy. She's actually a local OBGYN medical doctor um, in my neck of the woods, and uh, she specializes in women's health, obviously. And, and uh, she's written a book on... Um, sex drive and fertility and she has a cool little bit of sassiness to her so it's going to be a fun show that's in a couple of weeks Um, so mark your calendars for those and uh, also check out the Facebook page facebook.com slash Dr. Low Noel and I'm starting to do some more Instagram too so you can check me out there at Healthy Low that's Instagram and uh, let's get into tonight so tonight we have Jennifer Fugo on the show she is the founder of Gluten Free School it's a website dedicated to teaching gluten sensitive individuals simple savvy and empowering steps to get healthy she's a certified health coach named a gluten-free guru by Philadelphia magazine and she co-hosts the popular gluten-free sugar cleanse she empowers gluten-free folks to take control of their diet feel great and kick their sugar habit she's a sought-after expert about healthy gluten-free living as well as a speaker who has been featured on dr. Oz Yahoo News eHow CNN Huffington Post and Philadelphia Magazine, and she hosts the popular Gluten-Free School podcast, which I'm going to be on pretty soon, uh, to share eye-opening health information. So uh, let's see. Let's get the switchboard working here. And all right. Jennifer, thanks so much for being on the show. Welcome to Dr. Lowe Radio. Hi, Dr. Lowe. How are you? I'm great. How's it going? It's going well. Thank you so much for having me. And it was it was such a pleasure to get to see you speak again um, the other day and get to meet you in person. It's, it's always nice when you, you get to put a face to a voice and a name. And it's just it was really great to watch your presentation. It was awesome. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, it was fun getting up there and, you know, getting the jitters out. I think once I was up there for a couple minutes, I felt comfortable. And it was it's fun, you know. I mean, I think the topic, if, if you guys weren't, um, for you listeners, if you weren't um, able to watch the live stream, I was talking about customer a paleo diet for women because you know we're a little complicated and we're not exactly the same right so got to get kind of individualized and so it's fun talking about that um did you speak too jennifer i did i actually spoke on the first day on a panel about gluten and the gut awesome awesome cool it, who else was yeah, on that it panel was a lot, it was a lot that of one yeah, it was a lot of fun, you know. It was great to get out there and to be able to share my experience. Um, you know, I got, I had the honor, and it really was a total honor to sit with three doctors who have so much, they've done so much, and um, mm-hmm. be able to share my experience from the perspective of having been a patient and gone through this whole process of getting diagnosed and then figuring it out. Um, so it was really, I really feel very lucky that I had that opportunity, and, and that's, you know, obviously what I'm really passionate about. So, Who else was on the panel with you? I didn't get a chance to see it. It was Dr. Daniel Kalish, uh, Dr. Wow. Amy Myers, uh, Dr. Lane Sebring, and um, Steve Wright from SCD Lifestyle. 
wow, that must have been really humbling, right, to be in the midst of such great doctors. It was. And then Melissa from Whole Nine was our moderator, and she did a fantastic job, just as she did with that last panel of, uh, um, what was that, Sunday that you were on. Uh-huh. She's such a great moderator, so it was such an honor to, to be up there and her, have her guide the ship. Um, so it was just, it, I really felt very um, lucky to be amongst such great minds and be able to, you know, ch- chime in here and there and add my own two cents, so... Well, it sounds like you have really been a busy girl of paying it forward, and it sounds like it's been life-changing for you going this way. So give us a little bit of your story of, like, how you got here. Why are you so passionate about gluten-free? Give us a little bit of uh, kind of your background with that. So I was basically, you know, the way anybody kind of gets here a lot of times is that they get sick, and that's what happened to me. Um, My father is a, a medical doctor, and so I had been in a family, you know, we have a medical practice and everything for years in Western medicine, traditional Western medicine. And I watched all my father's patients get sick and sick and sick, and a lot of them are elderly. And I just, something never felt right to me about that. And became interested in nutrition, but simultaneously, I actually got really sick. And I didn't know that for many years, I probably wasn't as healthy as I should have been. I blew off a lot of signs and symptoms that were actually red flags that something was wrong. And, you know, like everybody is like, oh, at my family, there's stomach problems. That's normal. You know, I, just, I kept writing things off as being typical or common when they really weren't. And I ended up so sick that at one point I couldn't get out of bed in the morning, even though I would have slept like 11 hours at night. I, was, I felt completely drugged. I was getting sick every six weeks. I had digestive problems off the wazoo. I had put on almost 20 pounds that no matter how much cardio and exercise and commitment to trying to lose the weight, it just kept, the scale kept going up, not the other way around. And um, a whole bunch of other, you know, things that I didn't even know were connected. And I found out dentally that I have um, a moderate um, sensitivity to gluten, as well as the casein protein and a high sensitivity to eggs. And actually, a side note, I also am sensitive to the entire cruciferous family as well as the cashew family. So I've handed this like massive amount of information of like don't eat any of these foods of what your diet consists of. I'm from an Italian family. Those foods you can't eat. So figure it out. You know, I'll see you in eight weeks. And, and I was literally stunned. I was on one hand really happy that I had some answers But I was stunned that food, like the healthy, I mean, I was buying organic food. I couldn't understand, like, how does this happen, that you're eating things that should be healthy for you, and they're not. They're actually what's causing you to be sick. And so in the process of figuring out how to go gluten-free, I was able to reverse a lot of the what felt like damage to my system that had occurred. And, um, I, you know, a lot of changes happened. And then about a year later, I I will admit I did fall or succumb to the the temptation that um, gluten-free products marked gluten-free must have been healthy because they were marked gluten-free. I thought that was, you know, a good choice. And it, whether it was a brownie or it was cookies or it was cake, I figured, well, it's gluten-free. It must be good for you, right? Well, it wasn't. And I ended up with adrenal fatigue and candida like almost exactly a year later. And simultaneously, my husband got laid off from his job. Um, and so I had to eat healthy. I had to change my diet all over again and eat really healthy, totally clean. And I didn't have the funds to do that. Um, and we had lost two-thirds of our income, you know, pretty much instantly, and it was a real shock. And I had to figure out, well, how do I do this? How do I eat healthy but survive within a much, much smaller budget so that, you know, we don't go into debt? And um, there was even one year that we were living just above the poverty – our income was just above the poverty line for Pennsylvania for a two-person household. And I was able to figure it out. And so 
part of my journey is sharing this information and my experience with people out there so that they know that regardless of what their circumstance is, you know, whether they just want to be smarter about how they save their money or if they're literally going to end up on food stamps, that you can maintain this lifestyle. It is possible, and you can eat healthy. It's not that hard, but I think we're just not taught to understand the process. Um, and so that's, you know, that's, that's where I come in. Mm-hmm. So you really had to make your money go far, right? So how did you figure oh it out? Gosh, how did yeah. you figure out as a result of, of those experiences? Well, I would say that the one thing that was that was really eye-opening to me is that, and this is this is really shocking. And I want to actually share a couple statistics first because I think that gluten-free folks have, like we say we know somewhere in our minds that it's like ridiculously expensive to eat life in this way, but we don't have any hard figures. You know, you're not sitting at the grocery store tabulating and comparing like gluten-free. I don't know, bread compared to, you know, whole wheat bread. Um, but a study found that gluten, the gluten-free diet based on products is on average 242% more expensive than the quote-unquote normal products. So when you initially begin the diet, you make this switch, it, it is no shocker at that moment that your grocery bill is going to go up significantly, especially if you're just going to make the switch from, you know, the quote-unquote normal products to the gluten-free ones. And so right there, you've got that. That's 242%. Now, on top of that, other studies showed, and I found this to be the case in my own, my own life, is that an Ameri- Americans in general, and, and I would say this probably applies to most other, um, some other cultures like in Canada that are, you know, similar to, to the, the U.S., it's like we waste a lot I don't think we realize how much we waste. And one of the problems is that with like a U.S. family of four, they're on average throwing out about 25 to 40% of the food and beverages that come in their home. And that might not sound like a lot. I mean, to me it is. But, and it, those are just sort of general, generalities, and it's like, what does that really look like? But I want you to imagine that if you spend, a, like, say, $200 a week on groceries, so it's like $800 a week, or um, excuse me, a month, if you're literally throwing away, let's just say, the 25% of food, I mean, mm-hmm. you're throwing away a significant amount of money. You're throwing away over $200 a month of your hard-earned dollars into the trash, literally into the trash. And when you start to realize not only are you paying more for food, especially if you're eating, eating gluten-free products, but you're throwing food away because you don't know how to um, know how long something can stay. You don't know if you can freeze it or not. If you just have like literally no plan and you go to the grocery store and just buy things at random and then don't use them and they end up slimy and gross in your refrigerator, you are wasting your money. You're not even using it intelligently. And so by combining those two um, points, I was able to find um, many different ways to get savvy, not just at the grocery store, but also in the kitchen, so that you know obviously your dollars going a heck of a lot further. Um, and and just to like clarify this even further, these you know if you look at the expense of eating gluten free in combination with how much is wasted, it doesn't add up to a few dollars or you know some cents or maybe 20 bucks a week, it adds up to thousands of dollars. It can add up to upwards of like $5,500, $6,000 a year, depending wow. on how much money you're spending on, you know, maybe you're buying organic produce or you're buying wild-caught fish or whatever. Depending on where you are, it can add up to a lot of money. So could you imagine having an additional, like, $5,000 a year? I mean, that's like you could go on vacation. You could pay off bills. You could save for your kids, you know, their college. There's a lot of things one can do with that money. Mm -hmm. So, and even eat better. Maybe you want to buy grass-fed beef. You know, and you want to buy all these better quality products that you see 
I'm sure maybe you post about, you know, and you talked a lot in your talk about herbs and different things. You know, that's ex- that can be costly for somebody who's on a very limited budget, and now all of a sudden that becomes possible for them to care for their health or see right. a practitioner that maybe doesn't take insurance. So mm-hmm. I like to frame that first so that people understand that this improves, dramatically improves the quality of your life when you can eat better, um, and it's also less stress. Mm-hmm. So what is it that, I mean, just let's take, for example, a loaf of, you know, wheat bread and then a loaf of gluten-free bread. You know, why is it that the gluten-free bread is so much more expensive? Is it because it's not, they're not making it in so much bulk and so they have to charge more for it? Or is it just because they can? Maybe people who eat gluten-free are willing to spend that? I mean, what's really going on with that? That's a great question. A lot of people ask me about that. Like, they want, we, have, we are in a community that demands um, products that are comparable to what we're used to buying before. But the reality is that that most likely will not really happen. I, did, I actually interestingly saw um, Barilla Pasta. They now make gluten-free pasta, and it was, it was actually much less expensive than what other gluten-free pasta companies make. And I mean, I should say for the record, I really don't eat that much gluten-free products anymore. Um, it's very limited. I cook mostly whole foods, and that's what I recommend people eat because I think that your body understands real food the best. Um, but I know that some people aren't, and for them, it's that transition that they're making. So one of the reasons that gluten-free, we'll say bread, for example, is more expensive, is that there, the, I don't know if you've ever looked at the amount of ingredients that are in gluten-free bread, but it's like ridiculous. They, you're mm. never going to have like three to five, maybe even ten ingredients in gluten-free bread and including in most gluten-free products because they're mixing flours and they're adding in other ingredients that help while they attempt to replicate a um, texture and taste that one is familiar with, with the quote-unquote, you know, normal products that they used to buy. So that's one issue, is that they're adding in a lot of stuff. And unfortunately, a lot of those foods are highly inflammatory. They're very Mm -hmm. high glycemic, starchy, refined grains and carbs that are not good for you. And they also add in a lot of extra sugar to make up for bulk that's missing from gluten-free flours. Aside mm-hmm. from like the t- a lot of the toxic, gross, nasty binders and all sorts of things, I'm like so against xanthan gum. It's it's like disgusting. It comes from a from um, black rot, basically that uh. grows on cru- the cruciferous family. It is like the most disgusting thing, and they grow that on corn and then take the slime and process it into a binder. It's disgusting. Oh, God. And <laughs> and so they know that. there's that one problem. <laughs> and then Dumb. you you have. This other additional issue that gluten-free food, you know, as a community that's saying, hey, we need our food to be safe. You can't just slap a label on it and say, oh, well, these things are inherently gluten-free, so it must be safe. It doesn't work that way. It's not like, you know, oh, it's vegan or, oh, it's whole grains. Those things don't really I mean, I guess vegan does, but the whole grains label, for example, doesn't really rely on how the grains were they, it does have how they were processed, but it doesn't matter if there are other grains around it. It, it doesn't matter on, about that specifically so much. Whereas with gluten-free, you have to make sure that the lines are not, they're not contaminated on the lines, so that the equipment that it's processed on is not shared, um, that all of the ingredients are safely kept in rooms that do not house any gluten glutinous contamination and that even the ventilation system would not carry wheat particles, for example, from one room to the next. Plus, on top of it, you're then saying, well, I want you to test those lines. I want you to make sure before that loaf of bread even gets to my table that it is safe. So gluten-free companies then have to spend money to get certified and actually test every single line of their product that runs through a facility to make sure that it falls below the FDA's requirement of 20 parts per million. So Mm -hmm. all of these things combined are what jacks up the cost of gluten-free food. And the last Mm -hmm. thing to remember, as much as we might see gluten-free food everywhere throughout the supermarket now, and and depending on where you live, I mean, I'm I'm generalizing because in Philadelphia it's become a lot more popular, but I know when you go to rural areas you're not seeing quite as much. But gluten-free is still a niche market. It might compromise like six 
comprise about $6 billion. And I know that's a lot of money, but $6 billion of the, the whole pie. But that's a drop in the bucket compared to how much money the other fraction of the whole food market brings in. So it's still a smaller market, which is why a lot of times you know, there's not as much shelf space. It costs more money to get those products to the, the, the user because maybe they have to be refrigerated or whatever. So we don't realize that all of those costs, they get passed to the consumer. Um, and, and that's just the reality of things. And that's mm-hmm. another reason why uh, focusing on real food is so important. Yeah, I love that. Real food. And yes, it might be gluten-free, but it doesn't mean it's real food. It could be loaded with xanthan gum, and then you're getting black mold. (laughs) (laughs) Yum. Yum. Yeah. Yum. So, um, okay, let's say there's someone listening who they just recently was given the diagnosis that they had to be gluten-free. Let's say they're going from, like, the standard American diet, and it's, like, you know, borderline causing anxiety for them. Where can they start? What's, like, the first step? Well, the first step is to realize that the grocery store is working you just as much as food companies are. Um, the grocery store it can be a really big help because that's obviously the first spot you're going to look for you know, your products and your food naturally. But they're also using psychology and other things to get you to buy food that you probably didn't even want or know that you wanted before you walked through their doors. <laughs> and so when you go to the grocery store, the first thing I always say to people is immediately go to the produce aisle. Avoid the rest of the grocery store initially and just go there. Go where it's green. And almost everything in that area is gluten-free. I mean, it just naturally is. And that's what should make up the bulk of your cart. Um, fruits, vegetables, um, you know, there's various tubers, I mean, sweet potatoes, and then you can get onions and carrots and all sorts of things. And those are naturally gluten-free. And then I do like the idea of, of walking or shopping the perimeter of the store because obviously like, you can get wild-caught fish. Um, if you can and have that accessible to you, getting um, some sort of, of meat if you eat that. And, you know, I always lean more toward the um, more organic or um, pasture-raised meats, but, you know, it is what it is. I know some people are vegetarian or pescatarian, and they're going to do their own thing. And then meandering around and, and purchasing whatever else is around the perimeter. But it also pays to be a little bit savvy and know that there are some healthy things that are inside those aisles and learning what they are. I mean, obviously, like olive oil, coconut oil, you know, you're going to get some vinegars like balsamic vinegar or red wine vinegar. Those types of things, as well as spices and herbs, are completely healthy. They're great to have. So, you know, learning then how to look for the quote-unquote deals. And I think that's where people fall short is they, they don't realize that you can shop sales when you go gluten-free, but the sales that I'm talking about don't look like what you think that they would. So it's not necessarily that you're going to look for a two-for-one on gluten-free pasta. There's a good chance that's never going to happen because most products in the gluten-free aisle are not ever marked down. But you can look for sales on produce. Um, you know, I'll often walk in, and especially if, say, for example, the bags of onions, like three or five pound bags of onions, are you know two for one, so you're 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 getting them at half price. I'll buy both bags because that's a really great opportunity that week to buy them. And they last you a while. That's not something you're going to eat in one week necessarily. Um, You look for produce that's on sale and you get smart about it. The other thing too that I always say is um, there are some shopping guides out there that are really phenomenal. One is called Celia's, is from Celia's Marketplace. And it's a gluten-free shopping guide. And they, they, I believe they come out with a new one every year. And that is phenomenal because it tells you what in grocery stores is gluten-free. Even if it's not marked gluten-free, they've done all the legwork for you, and they've even looked at store brands. And I was surprised. Like there was you know, Wegmans, Giant, I mean, all the things that were near me. And then there were other grocery stores that I'm not familiar with because they don't exist in my area. So by looking at those lists, I was able to determine like that the, low, the um, frozen vegetables of the store brand were gluten-free. Um, you know, all these different things that you wouldn't normally think of 
are actually safe for me to get. And so frozen What's the, vegetables. That brand again, are, or can you say the name of that again? Sure. It's called. It's from Celia's Marketplace. Okay. And it's it's the gluten free grocery shopping guide. Okay. Cool. So it's C E L I A. Great, yes. Okay. Yes, awesome. and it's a really great resource. Um, there's also another one from Triumph Dining, and it's it's good. I don't think it's as good as Celia's, but it also does cover some other um, things that Celia's Marketplace doesn't cover. So I have both, and it was it was helpful to flip through both of them. And again, they're updated. I believe it's not every year. It might be every other year, but they do do all the legwork for you so you know what is safe to eat and what isn't. And those mm -hmm. are great to have. And that way, for example, like I was just saying about the frozen vegetables, when I go to the grocery store and all of a sudden, you know, um, peas and green beans and Brussels sprouts and all that stuff that's frozen are, you know, you could get, you know, a, a pound of vegetables for a dollar. That's the time to stock up. So I mm -hmm. will pack my freezer full. I'm not going to buy them when they're $3 a bag unless I really need them. But if I can go to the grocery store, and I know this sounds kind of like, oh, my gosh, you must have, like, so much stuff in your freezer, and I do, and there's a reason for that. And I wish, I wish, wish, wish I had a second freezer. If I had the space, I would get one, but I'm working with a very small, like, cube above my refrigerator. So for those people who are out there thinking, she must have this ginormous freezer, I don't. Um, I'm working with a small amount of space that, the, you know, everybody's got. And mm -hmm. I'm just smart about what I buy, and I stock up. So it doesn't matter what day of the week it is. I can go into my refrigerator, my freezer, my pantry, and if I'm really stuck, I can just pull something together in 30 minutes or less because I have everything there. Um, and so that's the thing. It's about getting savvy about when the things that you now know are gluten-free that, that are probably not going to be in the gluten-free aisle, when those things are on sale, you then stock up on them. And you know what to do with them. It's not about, like, I'm going to spend 10 hours in the kitchen and all day, and I am, like, do not have time personally to do that. I've, I'm very busy, like I'm sure you are, but I only cook two to three times a week. And by doing this, it actually allows for me to be able to like cook in bulk in essence and have meals on hand throughout the week. So that would be, I would suggest, the first place to begin. That way, if you want to start off your journey into the gluten-free realm with just swapping things out, after a month or two, you can start making this transition over to eating real food. Mm -hmm. Awesome. That's great advice. Now, I know that there are some tricky places that gluten can be hidden, and you know, you, you host gluten-free school. This is something you've done a lot of research into it. So for someone who is just getting into doing gluten-free, you know, that's great advice for them to focus more on the produce aisle, buy things in bulk when they're on sale, use the freezer a lot. What are... For, for these people just getting into this, this lifestyle, what are some hidden places that gluten might be that they might not be thinking of? Well, so gluten-free food, for example, like actual products can be a place that gluten can hide. Um, there are recalls periodically. It's another reason why it's not a good idea to rely on gluten-free food solely for your food. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the FDA requires that gluten-free food that's marked gluten-free be under 20 parts per million. But there are even companies that have gotten certifications to say that we're certified gluten-free have been recalled because they, wow. you know, products are already sent out and all of a sudden it comes back and says, oh, we figured, found out that, you know, our X, you know, XYZ granola line is above 20 parts per million, don't eat it, bring it back to the store. So that does happen. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so you have to you ha and, and there have been incidences where I know Applegate Farm had a problem. I believe that one of their chicken finger lines was either swapped or contaminated, and they only found this out afterwards after people, the products had made it to the store and people had begun to buy them. So you mm -hmm. can't just rely on a label. Um, the other issue is that comfort companies who don't decide to get certified as a gluten-free, um, you know, their products are gluten-free, um, no one is, it's, everyone is asleep at the wheel. No one is actually checking those products. We might say, oh, well, the FDA requires it to be under this, this amount of uh, parts per million, 20 parts per million of gluten. But if you don't get certified, no one's 
testing those lines. And the only way the FDA will step in is if enough people get sick and complain, then they'll go and investigate it. So I'm not saying that companies are out there trying to de deceive people, but you do have to realize that there is a massive problem with contamination. And when I say contamination, it's that a lot of times things are processed on you know, similar equipment, the, or the equipment isn't cleaned enough, or there's issues with handling. Um, so that's something to be aware of. As far as other foods are concerned, curry, for example. Curry powder is one of those spices that you always have, is sort of like a red flag, because there are companies that do add wheat to curry in order to make I, I'm not exactly sure exactly why, but what, from my understanding is that it's a texture issue and a consistency issue. So you want to make sure if you're really into curry powder that your curry powder is gluten-free. That's mm. like one of the big ones. Um, and yeah. there are plenty of spice companies out there. You know, and curry's good for you. I mean, turmeric's really good for you and all these spices, but you just have to be careful that you're buying them from a reputable company, and they all have to be expensive. Um, McCormick yeah. Spices has many lines, and they're, they're in most grocery stores. Um, and so you just want to double-check, like, that the line that you're buying is, you know, verified that it's gluten-free. Another mm -hmm. spot is um, salad dressings. And I'm, a red flag to me is always balsamic vinaigrette, uh, especially too, and I mean, I, I, I will take a momentary step outside of the grocery store. If, you're, if you go out to eat, um, I rarely will ever get balsamic vinaigrette at, at a restaurant because a lot of times wow. they add soy sauce to it. And you might not realize that, but soy sauce is a really great flavor enhancer and it has wheat in it. So I, I, I usually will just opt for olive oil and either a lemon or olive oil and red wine vinegar unless they can promise me up and down like no 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 none of our you know none of our dressings have gluten in them they're they're totally safe so you want to be careful with vinegar and the other thing too is malt vinegar anytime you see the word malt that's another red flag malt vinegar is not gluten free it's one of the only vinegars out there that isn't gluten free um, mm. sushi is another problem we'd all like to think that sushi should be fine because it's like fish and rice and vegetables and some seaweed but a lot of times there is gluten added um, in the either still add soy sauce to the rice. I don't know why they do that, but I have heard that from different people. Um, and then they also will sometimes use very cheap vinegars because there is vinegar added to the sushi rice. And it should be rice vinegar, but a lot of times they'll use a, grain, a glutinous grain-based vinegar, so obviously you'll end up sick. Um, so those are some red flags there, and you can buy a lot of times very like not-so-hot um, sushi in the grocery store these days. So just be careful with that. And you know, the other thing, too, is watch out for all the seasoning blends. And if you're buying pre-packaged meats and fishes that are, you know, seasoned and basically ready to pop in the oven, um, and, and the other thing is, too, you want to watch out for, like, sausage, for example, especially if it's store-made. You don't know what was put – you know, like, they'll have the ingredients on the label, but the problem is you don't know what went through that sausage machine. So what kind of spices were added? Were there breadcrumbs added to another, you know, a round of sausage that went through before your sausage? So you need to ask. And I actually found this out by talking to Whole Foods about um, I wanted to buy some sausage made by them. And they're like, oh, well, we actually do have some that's made with, with, uh, with wheat in it. And so you really want to be careful. Any type of processing that's involved where that's how wheat could get in, you want to be mindful of, of that. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to just encourage my listeners because I know that this, all this information can be taken in a couple of ways. You know, one way you can listen to it and just get anxiety and say, I can't eat anything ever, or you can reframe it and go, okay, so this means I need to eat real food. This means I've got to cook at home more. You know, I, I really need to be a part of the process of my food. And it's actually a blessing in disguise because you end up eating a lot more nutrient-rich foods. You actually also probably digest better because you're part of you know, making the process of the food, so you start to digest your food as you're smelling it. You're a part of it. So you know, I just want to encourage you guys because it can be very stressful listening to this going, oh, my God, well, what, well screw it. What the hell can I eat? But instead, really listen to it, okay, this is an opportunity to eat some real food. 
<laughs> yeah, and, right? and Dr. Lowe, I, I, I totally agree with you about that because I get that question a lot. Um, people will feel very overwhelmed from the information that they'll get from magazines and books, and they're like, oh, my gosh, like how can they do this? And my philosophy about eating gluten-free is to eat healthy in a way that happens to be gluten-free. So the idea is if we just look at gluten-free, you put these blinders on and you're searching for labels all the time. Right. Instead, if you look at the food that happens to be gluten-free, as I said, like the produce aisle, um, the, the, the meat counter, but you know, obviously you're just being a little judicious about what you're buying, so you're buying pro- cuts of meat that have not been processed in some way, um, you know, that kind of stuff, you have a lot more options. I mean, I cook for people all the time, and no one has ever said to me, is this gluten-free? They, right. For some reason, my guests who are never gluten-free never think to ask, and then they ask for all the recipes because it's so good, and then I'll announce that, oh, you know, it happens to be gluten-free, and they're shocked. <laughs> so there's no reason to think that gluten-free food, number one, has to be complicated, and number two, has to be tasteless. That's a complete myth. Yeah, I love that. So... I know the spices can be kind of tricky. Is there a company that you could recommend that you think the spices are pretty safe? Because that can be just some hidden exposures that you might not be able to, you know, get around. Yeah. So as I said, McCormick, I believe it's their red cap. Um, I'm not 100% sure on that because that was what I had read a while back, but you could easily, you know, someone could either easily go on their website and find that out. Um, a, one company that is is definitely gluten-free is Frontier Spices, and they're sold in most stores, um, especially Whole Foods. Um, and I wish for the life of me I could remember, I feel like I have this brochure Ah, yes, I do. Um, it's called, let's see here, Morton and Bassett Spices. They're also all gluten-free. They're also non-irradiated, uh, mm-hmm. and they're not genetically engineered. They're kosher. They're organic. I do not work for them. I just, I, this is something. I just happen to have that there, and they are also well, sold in should. most grocery stores as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I like to give people... I like to give people options, you know, and I think if I can pass this along to someone, you know, hopefully they can pass it, you know, pay it forward and pass it along to somebody else. Because the more we educate one another, the the better we all are as a whole and the healthier we all are. So I think that's a win-win. But, yeah, the spice thing is a little leery. But, you know, here's the one thing, and I'll tell people too. Um, I did not know how to really cook until I got sick. So don't think like, oh, this girl comes from an Italian family. She must have been like a chef because her family made everything from scratch. I watched everyone else make everything from scratch, and I ate. That it was my job. I had to learn how to do this. And part of the way that I – and, you know, there are spices that I do not know how to use. I'm not really – I love Thai food, but I really don't understand the spicing. Um, I love Persian food, don't really understand the spicing. I get Mexican. I get Italian food. Those, to me, are easy. But one way that I have pushed myself to learn how to spice food is that every time I go to the grocery store, I let myself buy a brand-new spice once a week. And – If you don't know what to do with it, go on Google and say, what can I do with turmeric? What can I cook with mace? You know, like find different spices that, you know, garam masala, like things you have never tried before, and Google them and see what you can do with them. And eventually, like I have now, I have this huge spicing um, cabinet, and food is never dull, ever. Um, so I, I would really encourage people to do that because that's how you get around all of this um, nonsense about, like, our, my food doesn't taste good. And plus, and I think you had possibly pointed this out, a lot of herbs have, they're very nutritious. They have a lot of nutrition in them when you had done your presentation. So, you know, being able to add rosemary or oregano and some of these other spices, they're really good for you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um I think a lot of times people associate eating healthier with more expensive. You've already talked about some of that, but how can people eat healthier but also do it without breaking the bank? Do you have any other tips you can share of ways to do that on on a budget? Yes. So one thing I would say is prioritize what you want to buy. 
so for me, for example, I feel it's very important to spend more money on wild-caught fish and grass-fed meats and like pasture-raised meats because I feel like I'd rather you know, there's a lot of issues with like what those animals are fed and if they're subjected to antibiotics and that kind of stuff. And it's not to say like if you can't really can't afford that right now, then don't worry about those things. But to me, I'm just saying in my life, that's a priority to me. So I will do that. Now, one thing I will look for, and everyone should know this, and I was saying about how the grocery store works us, those sell-by dates, say if, if you do eat meat, sell-by dates don't mean that the, that meat is going to go bad after that day. It just means that the grocery store can't sell it after that date. And I've talked to produce, the produce worker, or excuse me, not the produce workers, the, the, the guys that work in the meat department, and they're like, yeah, you know, it's funny. People never want to buy this stuff when it's like the day before and it's marked down 50% we all take it home and throw it in our freezer because there's really nothing wrong with it. So what I do is, like, I'll look at, for example, like grass-fed meat, and it's usually around me about $10 a pound, right? So that's a a lot. That's a significant amount of money, $10 for one pound of meat. And um, what I'll do is I'll look for the sell-by date. Okay, I have to come back around sometime around August 8th. And I know that – excuse me, April 8th, for example, I just saw one thing the other day and I was like, oh, I got to come back around that time. Most of the time that stuff is marked down 50% and I was able to buy eight packages of grass-fed beef cubes, one pound each for $5 and I just throw them right in in the freezer and then pull them out as I need them throughout the winter. I do the same thing with chicken. I do the same thing. And, you know, the thing with chicken too is get it with the bone in and the skin on. It's much less expensive expensive and there's really to be honest with you and I don't know how you feel but there is nothing wrong with the th- the chicken thighs they're really great they're tasty and um I, like I don't know better. what the thing is I like them better too I think they have a lot more flavor and they're less expensive mm-hmm. um and like if if you buy ground turkey meat because you know you're trying to you know maybe eat a little less red meat you know some people are um, dark turkey meat is half the price of white turkey meat. So if you're oh. looking to cut corners, there's very easy ways to do that. Um, dark meat is less expensive, and frankly, it's more flavorful. Um, so that's one easy way. The fish is tricky. You might be able to get fish, like wild-caught fish, on sale, maybe, but it's t- it doesn't they don't usually mark down fish that much. So I'll get that and have it in the freezer and I'll usually eat that toward the end of the week because you only have like have a day after you cook that. If you're if you're going to cook only 2 to 3 times a week, cooking fish in the beginning of the week's a bad idea if you don't have the time right. to cook, you know, the next day. Um so I always leave that to the end of the week. But um you know the other thing is I was saying with the onions. Well, for example, like why would I buy organic onions when onions are on the very low end of the dirty dozen list? And for people who don't know what the dirty dozen list is, it's the list that tells you the pesticide concentration in produce. So like, for example, peaches are always at the top and you can't wash those pesticides off. It goes all the way through the flesh. So as you're eating the peach, you're eating the pesticides. But there are other produce items further down the list that don't have nearly the same amount of pesticides in them. Avocados, bananas, onions, sweet potatoes, for example, you can buy them conventionally um, grown and you're not going to have the same issues that you would have, say, with strawberries, which do have a very high pesticide count. Now, if money's really an issue, then don't worry about that and just buy your fruits and vegetables. I, I always, it always makes me cringe when people say, well, I can't buy it now because it's got pesticides and I can't afford organic, organic. Just buy it and eventually you'll figure out when the system, after about a month of doing this and using all the tips and tricks that I suggest in my book, um, you actually will find that you'll have a lot more leeway to buy more expensive items here and there, and um, that's the really cool thing about it. So the first couple of weeks, you're like, okay, I've got to kind of figure this out and stock my my way my pantry up, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I only spent forty dollars at the grocery store this week. 
Right. Wow. Like, there are some weeks that for my husband and I, I've only spent $40 for the entire week because I have, I have meat already in the freezer. I've already bought that because it's frozen. I already have all the sweet potatoes because I bought them, you know, when they were on sale. I have bags of onions or I have bags of, of frozen chopped up onions because I don't like them to go bad. I'll chop them up and put them into the freezer and use them like that. So all of these things combined are what adds up to saving money. And it doesn't take a lot of time. It might sound like there's a lot of coordination, but the thing that I was attempting to do when I wrote my book, The Savvy Gluten-Free Shopper, was to give people little um, opportunities here and there to make a big difference in their diet. And I'll tell you right now, if anybody's really trying to cut corners, stop buying pre-washed lettuce and spinach. That is like the biggest rip-off because you're not getting very much. And even when you buy it like two for one, a lot of times they mark them down because they're going to go bad in a day or so. So you end up throwing away most of it because it gets slimy. Um, so buying the whole head of lettuce still attached to the root base, you don't even have to like pull the whole thing apart. Literally just chop it up. A salad spinner is an excellent thing to get. Put all of the leaves, the chopped up leaves into the salad spinner, rinse it off, spin it, and then place it into a, a big Ziploc bag, push out most of the air, and close it. That will stay in the refrigerator. If, say you didn't get to eat it, it will stay there just fine for 9 to 10 days. Like wow. You're not going to get a bag of pre-washed spinach to stay in your refrigerator for 9 to 10 yeah. days without it turning into a sopping, slimy mess. Hmm. That's a really good tip. And I, I'm in full agreement with you that spend the bulk of the money on the healthy meats because it's better to have conventional vegetables and you know, organic, grass-fed, really quality meats than it is the other way around. I mean, no comparison. So it's just really important to prioritize your money in that way. So those are really, really good tips. Um, tell us a little bit more about some of the tips that are in your book. I really want people to go and support that because obviously you put a ton of time and effort and it's a great product. So tell us a little bit more, maybe a, your, your favorite tip from the book and then where people can pick that up. Well, some of my favorite tips, I mean, the onion the onion thing is one of my favorite things to do is I'll chop up all the onions. I know it's like people are like thinking, oh, my gosh, she stands there and cries for how long <laughs> cutting these onions. And it's true. I do. I just want to get it all done at once. But onions, like I don't have a cellar, so I, you know, my, I don't, I actually don't have air conditioning either. <laughs> and I live, you know, on the, the eastern seaboard, it gets quite steamy in the summertime. But but I found that if you chop up all of your onions, you can actually save them in freezer bags. And um, that really helps cut down on prep time during the week, plus they don't go bad. And then the other thing, too, I hate when celery goes bad. Like, I'll buy celery, and I'm not a big, like, snacker on the celery stalks themselves. So what I tell people to do and what I found is you take off the big, um, the thick stalks on the outside. I, I don't buy the ones that are already cut apart because those are actually more expensive. So you want to buy the whole, the whole thing of celery all connected at the bottom. Take off the outer thick stalks so that you're left with those, those much like um, – like they're not as developed and matured and oftentimes there'll be leaves and such inside the celery stalk. So you can eat all of that. You don't have to get rid of the leaves. They're actually nutritious. And so I'll rinse off the inside and that's what I will cook with because that is usually what ends up getting tossed anyway. So that's what I'll start with. I'll rinse it off, chop it up, and it'll go into a soup or a sauce or, you know, tuna fish salad or some other type of fish salad, whatever you're, whatever you're going to make. The outer stalks that are thicker, I will rinse them and then chop them up and put them into, a, again, a freezer bag and put them in the freezer. Then when I go to make crock, please get a, your crock pot. If you don't have one, folks, it is like the best thing ever. So when I go to make my crock pot dish like 10 minutes before I go to bed at night, I am just taking bags of pre-prepped food out of the freezer and dumping it in. So I don't have to prep anything. It's already done for me. 
And that makes my life so much simpler. Um, that's why I'm not doing all this cook, cooking work during the week. It's because it's already done. And I don't end up throwing food away. I don't end up with that limp, gross, you know, awful big thing of celery that I'm like, oh, I just wasted like $2. I know it's like 2 bucks, but that adds up. Well, here's a follow-up question um, you know, with that. Where, what do you throw ahead. into the crock pot? Yeah, like what's like a real easy thing, just like maybe busy moms listening, what's something they can just throw together in a crock pot that they can have ready the next morning? Yeah, sure. A really easy thing that you can do is, okay, so you're going to go and get those chicken thighs with the bone and the skin on. Um, you'll And like say you buy that on Saturday, you get that and you have that in your fridge. Then you've got the onions and the celery already pre-chopped. If you want to do carrots, like I just do baby carrots. I know they're a little more expensive, but I find that it's more convenient because I don't have to do any work. That's where I cut corners. Um, mm-hmm. And I will just dump baby carrots, the onions, the celery into the crock pot, add some water, add the chicken thighs, do a little bit of um, apple cider vinegar, maybe like a couple tablespoons just to help pull nutrients out of the, the, mus- the um, bones of the chicken into, the, into like basically a soup. And I'll cook that overnight with maybe a couple bay leaves and then season it the next day with sea salt and black pepper. Um, you could also add fried thyme to soups, which are really great. But I just let it simmer overnight on low. And by the next morning, it's great. And then if you want to take it a step further, because this is one of my absolute favorite soups, it's like a green chicken soup soup, I'll take all the meat out of the the pot and leave some of the vegetables. I'll take maybe like two or three cups, put it in a pan, start getting it reheated back up if it's not hot already. Add in like a cup or so of frozen peas. And like if you've got spinach or you happen to find a bag on sale or you grab some, throw it into that pot, puree it all up, and then add it back into the soup pot and put your chicken, once you've cleaned it off the bone, back in. That soup is so good, and it's a great way to get greens in. Like My husband will not eat stringy greens, but he will eat that soup. It's a little bit on the sweet side. It's nice and savory, and I actually prefer white pepper over black pepper in that um, dish, and it's just, it's so good, and it freezes really well. So you could freeze that soup for up to two months and defrost it. You know, that's what I call frozen, that's what I call gluten-free fast food in my house. It's what right. frozen that I have made in the freezer. Wow, that's so cool. That is savvy, girl, very savvy. I try. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's cool. Well, tell us um, where we can get your book and how we can follow what you're doing. And then I also am wondering, too, if you could tell me about gluten-free vodka because I've been in a little bit of a debate on that. Um, so what's gluten-free vodka? <laughs> gluten-free vodka. Well, I guess technically, boy, I can see why you've been in a debate about that. <laughs> That's a tricky question to answer. Um, so technically, if we want to look at what it's made from, gluten-free vodka would be made from like potatoes, which don't naturally contain gluten. But there is this argument that distilled alcohol would not have any gluten left in it. Okay. However, this is the however. I do know people who have reacted to vodkas and other alcohols that are distilled, but for some reason they're saying I'm still reacting to it. Um, So that's a problem. I also find that when I drink alcohol, you know, from my understanding, and obviously you're a physician so you'd probably know better than me, but alcohol does make your gut a bit more permeable, right? Right. Because of alcohol. So I find that if... Yeah, it doesn't have to go down to the intestines. You absorb alcohol through the stomach, so that's what makes it easier to hit the bloodstream. Yeah. Exactly. And so part of the problem I found is that when I drink alcohol, and if if unfortunately there is gluten in my meal and it doesn't have to be a lot, it affects – I don't know why, but I find it affects me a lot worse so I'm very careful. I don't drink very often as a result of that. And if I do, it's I usually avoid hard alcohols, as a, um, distilled alcohol as a result. But the other caveat to this is that there's a big argument now because of the FDA labeling with gluten-free beers. 
and that mm-hmm. they've said they cannot actually test accurately how much gluten is in alcoholic products. So companies like Omission Beer, which some people have said have made them sick, even though they're saying they've removed all the gluten, the FDA has, has actually said that is an open discussion still about whether that, that beer specifically is actually gluten-free or not. So there is still gray zone. And the other thing I will say, too, this is sort of like a slight aside, um, there is a potential with wine so I'm not trying, I'm totally not trying to scare people. This is just something that I've learned. There are some wineries that do fill their barrels with wheat paste. So Mm -hmm. it does pay to kind of do your homework and ask, you know, how the barrels are sealed. And, and, you know, look, this also develops company loyalty because when you find out how a company actually produces their product, that means that you're going to be a loyal consumer. And I did not know, I kept reacting to wines and later found out that there are five different ingredients that they fine wine with, they clarify it with, and one of which is egg whites and the other is casein, both of which I am sensitive to. So I couldn't figure out why I was still getting sick every time I drank wine and it turns out that's why. So I usually try to opt for a vegan wine and find, you know, local companies that are in my area that are um, producing, you know, wine that, that, that is safe. So it's, it, again, it's not to scare anyone, but it's like do your homework and really know, um, you know, it's again, know, know the food producers. It's like getting back to that idea of maybe even like a local VOR ID, people locally that are producing good quality products that, you know, are, are not potentially contaminated. Um, and so what about a, an like alcohol that is, what's, a, what's an alcohol that is gluten-free that's not made, you know, from something that comes from gluten, like maybe tequila, would that be? Tequila is usually okay. Rum is usually okay. The only problem you may have is if it's got a funky flavor to it. Like, you know how sometimes they'll add in, they'll say, oh, it's like pina colada rum or one of these other like weird rum. It's not just rum. Um, uh-huh. I would avoid those unless they're specifically okay. marked gluten-free. But I, there's like Tito's. I can't remember whether that's vodka. I'm not sure because, again, I don't, drink, I don't usually drink um, hard alcohol, but there are right. some companies out there that do mark. And if you're really not sure, just go and Google and say, is such right. and such gluten-free? And a lot of times the answer will come up. Okay, cool. Well, thanks for that little um, rabbit trail tangent. Um, okay, good. So uh, <laughs> how can we follow up on, um, you know, follow what you're doing and help support you and get your book? Well, my website is glutenfreeschool.com, and you can easily find me on Twitter at gfreeschool or um, on Facebook. It's just the three words, glutenfree school. I have really nice communities on there and love to answer questions, and um, I'm always posting different things that are of interest to me, you know, topics that are like a little shocking, but information that I know everybody wants to know, great recipes that are simple. And the book, The Savvy Gluten-Free Shopper, How to Eat Healthy Without breaking the bank is available you can either go to my website and you'll see the picture of the book right on the front page and there'll be a link to go through or you can just search for it on Amazon and it's available in both a hard copy format as well as Kindle so whatever it is that you're looking for it is available and the other cool thing about the book is if you have no clue how to meal plan and it is really important if you're going to save money meal planning is a skill I have a free booklet when you purchase the book you there's a page that you will not be able to miss, and it gives you um, the directions of how to download and access a whole free other booklet on how to meal plan, and I show people step-by-step visually how I do it and how I teach my clients to do it. So those are the best ways to get in touch, and I also have a newsletter and all sorts of things, so, you know, please, everybody stay in touch, and and I really appreciate the opportunity to come on your show, Dr. Lowe. Thank you so, so much. Of course. Thank you for taking the time and dropping so much knowledge on our listeners. I mean, this is just really, I think this is the stuff that people really need is this practical, like how to actually do this in reality, everyday life. You know, I think some of the um, real like, uh, you know, information rich shows are great. But then when it comes to like, okay, how do I actually implement this? This is really useful. So I appreciate you giving us this perspective. It's really helpful. 
Yeah, and like I said, there's a lot of information on my site as well about you know all these different topics. And it, you know, too, just FYI, everybody, it goes beyond the kitchen. Like you have to look at the stuff in your bathroom. You have to look at your makeup. Still get a lot of different things. And I have a lot of articles and tutorials and all sorts of things on my site that specifically help people navigate that. Like, how do we make this happen? Because I think that's most important. Like you said, it's great to know the nitty-gritty about gliadin and all these proteins and all that stuff. That, that's great in theory, but we need to be able to make it happen. Um, and then, you know, we can continue to research. I think it's both, they're both equally important, but I like to see people progress in their everyday life and, and not feel stuck. So that's really my mission is to help people get impaired in moving. Awesome. Well, thank you. I, I, I mean, your message comes through loud and clear. You're on a mission to give people this information and empower them. So keep what, keep doing what you're doing. It's making a big impact. Um, and hopefully we can hang hang out soon. And I'm going to be on your show soon, too. So we got to get a date. I know. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You're so welcome. Have a wonderful night. I'll talk with you soon. Absolutely. All right, you guys, that's our show. Thanks for listening. And um, definitely check out Jennifer's site, glutenfreeschool.com. And uh, stay tuned for next week's show. We're going to have Allison, or Alex Jamison on the show from uh, Supersize Me. So that will be a great show next week. And um, if you guys are wanting to get some help health-wise, I'd be happy to work with you. I work with patients locally here in San Diego and all over the country. So check me out, drlaurennoel.com. And uh, have a great, healthy week. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks. Bye. North Pole Hotline, Mrs. Claus here. My holiday shopping list is so big, I can't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy's biggest sale of the year starting tomorrow. Old Navy? Beat the crowds for 50% off your entire purchase. 50% off? Plus, this Friday only, Old Navy's famous cozy socks are just a buck in stores. Old Navy's giving $1 for every pair sold up to a million dollars to boys and girls clubs. So I can do good, look good, and get 50% off your entire purchase at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1121 to 1123. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Cozy socks valid 1123 in stores only. Limit 10. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, a bit pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.